welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 34 of Punch It. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan Riddell, it is good to see you once again. I hope you had a happy 4th of July, because here in America, that messed with our Punch It release schedule. <laughs> it did, it did. It's it's so hard to do uh, podcasts on holiday weeks, because it just screws everything up. It screws up your work schedule, it screws up your family schedule and everything like that. And on top of that, it was my birthday the day after the 4th of July. Right! Yeah, you had a lot of things going on. You had a lot of occasions and dinners and family members to see and be seen by. And we just thought, you know what? If there's ever a time, a holiday week is a time to take an unintentional buy. So we did. And we are back now. And we are finally, 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 finally. And I'm so excited. We're finally going to tackle this. We're going to talk Better Call Saul, one of my absolute favorite shows right now. Yeah, this is a this is a good show. Like this is one of those shows that people are going to be talking about for years to come. I mean, this is this is not Breaking Bad, but it is in the vein of high quality television like Breaking Bad. Absolutely. Now, first things first. You said it's not Breaking Bad. Does that mean you think Breaking Bad is better, or are you not making a judgment call yet because the series is still in progress? No, Breaking Bad is better. It, uh, <laughs> okay. I, okay. I, I, I can say that unequivocally that Breaking Bad is better, but it's at at the same time it's a very different show. It's a very different feeling than Breaking Bad. Right. We're going to have to get into all the reasons why this is and I actually since we're putting this out in the open right away, I don't want to make a judgment call as to which show is better simply because Better Call Saul is not completed yet. I do agree however that styles are a little different. It is certainly made in the same sort of general stylistic way that Breaking Bad was made. Because it's made by the same people, that makes enough sense, and it's the same universe. However, there are little differences that punctuate this show differently than Breaking Bad, and I'm very excited that we're going to talk about all that today. Yeah, one of the big things about it is the story structure is why it's so different. Because visually, it's it's pretty similar, and uh, thematically, it's... I don't want to say it's sim- similar thematically, although it's starting to get there. I agree. Uh, where we're starting to get like harder stuff because in Breaking Bad, we were dealing with murder, overdose, addiction, and betrayal, and extramarital affairs, and backstabbing, and everything like that. And with Better Carl Saul, you're mainly dealing with legal trickery, sibling rivalry, um, fraud him being a trickster and everything like that it's not it's not so much dealing with the heavy stuff although with the with um oh my gosh i completely blanking on his uh his character's name how how are you talking about chuck not chuck i'm talking about holy crap jimmy not jimmy it's the crap oh my gosh i'm such i'm such a bad fan bald hair ears sticks out sticks out mike why can i not think of mike ermintrout's name Well, you just did, so you got it. There you go. So, like, with his storyline, though, he deals 
with bigger stuff. Like he's dealing with Gus Fring. He's dealing with assassinations. He's dealing with the drug deals and everything like that. But it's on a much more subdued level than in Breaking Bad. Like I feel like yeah. Breaking Bad is the amped up version of Better Call Saul. <laughs> and see, I think Better Call Saul is, and it, chronologically it is, it is the lead in to Breaking Bad. It is the rising well, action as opposed well, yeah. to the action. Well, I mean, yes, I, I I know that sounds obvious, but also in a stylistic sense, that is exactly what is happening. It is a little oh. more subdued and it is, it'll occasionally peek into the darker aspects of things, but it does it in a more subtle fashion. It's not quite as explicit and it doesn't happen as often, I don't think. I really like that as a comparison not really a comparison but like an analogy i really like that because like breaking bad was all about build it was all about build starting from season one all the way to the end of season 6b is it's building and rising to the finale and again that's another comment that might sound obvious but it was just getting crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier now if you're doing a prequel series a series that is running up to that you don't want it to be crazier right out of the gate than its no. sister show. Right, you can't. You're going to burn out so fast, you're not going to have a show. You're going to blink and you're going to miss it. And thematically, that doesn't make sense. And right. the writer and director and EP of Better Call Saul knows that. He knows story structure. He knows build. Yeah, Vince Gilligan, who was big on uh, creating Breaking Bad, also very mu very heavily involved with Better Call Saul, I think has learned a lot of lessons from Breaking Bad and carry that over to Better Call Saul, I would say, to make a more detail-oriented show. Would you agree with that? Better Call Saul with more details than Breaking Bad? Yes, and not just in the writing, but it starts there. I don't know if I agree with that yet, because... Okay, let's hash this out. I've only seen, better, like like you've talked about, I've only seen Better Call Saul once all the way through. And Breaking Bad, I've seen like 17 times all the way through. <laughs> yes, that's true. Same here. I've watched Breaking Bad over and over and over because it is so freaking good. Whereas Better Call Saul, with it still being a work in progress, I'll usually do a refresher before a new season starts. But I've only watched season three all the way through one time. I'm going to just put that out there right now. I didn't even do a recap with the previous seasons i've only seen the seasons once Ooh. through oh I, I would highly recommend it because there's a lot you can miss and and that's what i'm saying and so like in the show's defense i can't say that it's more detail oriented than breaking bad because i've seen breaking bad so many times i know all the details and with better call Saul, i don't okay well can i offer a little perspective then on little things that i've noticed because i do Go think it. it is a very detail oriented show it starts with the writing where we really focus sometimes on what seems like a really small nuance, but it's really heavily important to the story. Like if you think about the start of season three, where, I, gosh, it's like, I think almost the entirety of the first episode of season three, where Mike is taking apart that car and mm -hmm. we don't completely understand why we're just watching it and we're watching it. And you might think on paper, that's going to be really boring, but it's interesting because it gets in your head like, what is he doing? You're starting to plot it out. You're starting to think, what is Mike thinking? And you're trying to mm -hmm. figure it out and then come to find out it's because he knows he's being tracked and he's finding, he's got to find the tracking device, 
Which is also ingenious writing, by the way, because I never would have thought about the gas cap. Spoiler alert, this is going to go into details that will give things away, so... A lot, it, yes. If you didn't figure that out already, yeah, you should be listening to this if you want to watch Better Call Saul without spoilers, but I'm hoping you would have known that by now. <laughs> anyway, disclaimer done. So that alone right there is genius, and I really wonder how they put this stuff together. But we spent all that time on that one little thing... And maybe some people got bored by it, but I thought, whoa. Okay, now that was really interesting, both from a cinematic kind of viewpoint, just watching it happen, but then also writing-wise, feels almost more like a novel. I feel like that kind of... I'm hearing that comment a lot more lately. I feel like that was a big defense... Like when House of Cards first came on the scene. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they started using chapters instead of episode titles chapter one chapter two chapter three yeah and I, I feel like they did that on purpose because the show lent itself to a novel structure where at the end of season one it doesn't end with a bang mm -mm. it ends with a whisper and the promise of things to come just like a novel a part of a series you know would do and right. i feel like ever since we're entering a new age uh, uh, ever since we entered past tense a new golden age of television, I feel like a lot of these shows have a novel-esque quality and Better Call Saul is no different. Yeah, I would actually really agree with that. I also see a lot of parallels between House of Cards and Better Call Saul, visually, storytelling-wise, and all of that. Now, one thing about Better Call Saul, uh, with just kind of continuing from the whole thing, like with taking apart the car and whatnot, I see... And better and Breaking Bad did this too, but I think Better Call Saul does it more. It is a lot of wind up, and then it's like, bam, you make that hit, and then there's the payoff. Now, in your opinion, do you think that the extra amount of wind up that is being used in Better Call Saul with its various storylines, does it pay off in the end? Because I've heard both sides make really good arguments saying, oh gosh, we went through all of that for this. And then I've heard other people say, oh, are you kidding? That was absolutely worth it. So what is your thought? This season, no. I don't think it's a payoff. Oh, okay. Do tell. Let's go ahead and get into it. Let's get into Let's season three. Let's get into it. Specifically, this has been a severely disappointing season for me. I mm. am actually kind of shocked how disappointed I am in this season because... The main thing of, and I'll just kind of flash forward to the end. The main reason why I'm disappointed is because look at where characters were at the beginning of season three, and then look at where the characters ended up at the end of season three. With the exception of Chuck, there is oh, actually not even that, not even throw in Chuck too. There's almost no difference to where our characters have ended up. Ooh, I highly disagree with that. Now, actually, okay. <laughs> Let, let me explain myself, okay? Okay, here? please do, please do. Okay, Saul Goodman, Jimmy, yeah. and his girlfriend, Kim, they think about going into business with each other. Mm -hmm. And so, but they have to find a building, they have to find a secretary. And then at the very end of the season, they're, they're sans a, an, a, a law firm, they're sans an office, no, no building, no secretary. And so Kim's, you know, on a break, Jimmy doesn't have a job. They ended up exactly where they started. You look at Chuck. You know, Chuck was a basket case at the beginning of season three. And then he went through this whole realm of healing. 
and well, at least perceived healing of what we thought he was getting better. Yeah. He was trying to get better perceived. and then denial and denial. And then we thought he was actually getting better. And then he ended the season with, Oh, he just undid all of his progress literally and figuratively with the house as well as with himself. Then you, and also you look at, at Sandpiper, Jimmy, he starts the season without Sandpiper. And then throughout the season, he tries to get it back. And then all of a sudden he doesn't have it again because he gets rid of it. I felt like the last episode specifically of season three was a huge freaking reset of everything that we went through and was building to for the entire season two, as well as the beginning of season three. Okay. On some of those points, I do agree with you. There was a part of me that hated tearing everything that they'd built up down. Like The Office. I thought you went through all of that work to set that up and make it happen to mm-hmm. destroy it. I feel, though, that we don't completely understand where things are going to be going. And so this is sort of, I'm guessing, a two steps forward, one step back thing. Where this is a theme for, especially for Jimmy, where he tries to do the right thing. He tries to make it right. He tries to do things in one direction, but then ultimately veers off toward another. That is just who he is. And Chuck likes to point that out a lot. Um, and unfortunately, though, all of the other characters, I don't know if it's because they are associated with Jimmy or if it's just the characters are being written too similarly that they're doing the same thing. But it's one of those things, I think, where Jimmy's internal struggle between doing the right thing and doing what he wants creates this conflict. And so we're seeing him slowly, 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 slowly descend from Jimmy McGill to who will eventually be Saul Goodman. He's inching there. And this, I mean, the struggle is so back and forth that maybe, just maybe, it's not playing out in, I don't know, maybe the best way. But there's a lot of turmoil there in the process, especially between him and Chuck. And that is through, because of good writing, these characters... Nobody here is perfect. Jimmy can do great things. Jimmy can also be a real a-hole. And you know what? So can Chuck. And Chuck isn't completely wrong either. This whole season reeks of writers putting themselves in a corner. Now that I agree with. (laughs) Because we saw it since season one. Now, like, stay with me here. The end of season one was was Jimmy saying no to corporate, saying no to the corporate job, saying no to the regular lawyer life where it's like it's it's the straight tie, the straight arrow, walking the line. And he like he's offered everything that every lawyer would want. He's offered a fancy office, a fancy contract, good pay, a company car, and, and all he has to do is just fall in line. That's all he has to do. And then he goes, no screw that i'm gonna do things my own way and we're like holy crap as an audience we're like season one that was amazing he's on his way to become saul goodman not just jimmy Mm -hmm. and then opener of season two hard reset of what just happened in the last episode of season one we completely go back on all of that all that characterization all that decision making and he goes you know what never mind I'm going to take the corporate job. I'm going to take the corporate car. I'm going to do all that. And uh, there you go. But then halfway through the season, they put him on a self-destruct, which is within character. 
Yes. And I think what happened there is season one went off so well. I think it went off better than they expected it to. And the writers, including Gilligan, said, oh, crap, we got to prolong this. We got to stretch this out. <laughs> we were just going to do this for a season or two, maybe three seasons. But this show was received so well, this will probably go five or six. So we got to mm -hmm. do some backstepping. And so I that's what I think. I think they had only a couple of seasons planned. And then they're like, oh, crap, we need to stretch two seasons worth of material to five or six. And this is how they're doing it. They're creating great stories in between, but then they're doing character resets thematically. Yeah, okay. I definitely see where you're coming from. And you might not be completely wrong there where they suddenly have a huge hit on their hands and they don't know what to do with it. I don't know. There is a part of me, though, that can rationalize this out, saying this is simply who Jimmy is. He's initially going to reject that really nice, awesome, cushy job because that is not who Jimmy is as much as he wants to be. That is who mm -hmm. he would like to be. That's the image that he wants. But he knows he cannot play by those rules. It's just not completely in his makeup. But the reality of the situation is, is he knows it's a damn good job. Mm -hmm. And so he would be foolish to not try, right? That's what everybody else is telling him. That's what Kim is telling him. And even, I, I mean, Chuck is just like, yeah, uh-huh. But if Chuck weren't Chuck, <laughs> if he were a supportive brother, he would say, dude, what are you doing? Take that freaking job. But so then he does try it. And then he realizes, no, I was right all along. This is not for me. And then he has to sabotage himself. This is how Jimmy finds his way. And this is what we're watching. Yes, it's true. That is his character. But the thing is, everything that the, that the writers write is his character. Because that's what we're seeing. And so I'm not discounting what you're saying because you are right. But that excuse can be used for literally anything when it comes to character descriptions. Because that's what the writers are writing. And yeah. it's just, you gotta have some build. Here's my disconnect. Everything can't just be character building. Sometimes you have to have story momentum as well. That is where I'm having the hiccup is that these are great characters portrayed by great actors doing really fascinating and interesting things. But that can only take you so far if the series as a whole is not building you towards something. And you cannot rely solely on Mike and Gus to propel the story forward when you have your main title character constantly resetting. That is true. Jimmy really does need to move forward. I agree with that. You do need to build, absolutely, like you're saying, but you also need the characters to evolve, and Jimmy is having a very difficult time with that. And I think even as a result, Kim has suffered. Because mm -hmm. I think Ray Seahorn is an amazing freaking actress. I just love to watch her act. All of these actors are amazing. This is one of my favorite casts of any show. Oh, can we talk about Michael McKeon for a second? Because I think his portrayal of Chuck might be the capstone achievement of his career. And he's had some amazing roles. But this guy, he has him so well done that I'm, I can't even completely wrap my head around all that he has done and put into it. I, not, not at this point anyway. I need to watch it a lot more. But watching that very last episode where we watch Chuck's decline, I'm just like, whoa. He, he has been working since the late 70s, and he's <laughs> in everything. 
He oh, is yeah. all over the place. I mean, he was in Clue, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Plane Trains and Automobiles, The mm-hmm. Big Picture. Uh, this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> this, yeah, this is Spinal Tap. Even the Brady Bunch movie. And... Yes, he was. <laughs> he was even on Voyager as Fear. Yes, yes, he was. I, a, he was in, like, I'm just going through. He has so, he is a, con- he is constantly working. Oh, yeah. He's one of those actors who only if you're a real devotee will you recognize him on the street. But yet he makes a really good living doing what he's doing. But now I think because he's in this show, it would be a whole lot easier for him to get recognized. I'd actually be wondered about that. And also, of course, you know, he was Liddy. He was Liddy in, in oh, Laverne yeah. and Shirley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great freaking show. Yeah. And I think also he's going to get more recognition from the award ceremonies and whatnot. He is going to he's going to earn awards for this performance for sure. As he should. He deserves them. These were. Oh, yes. By far and away. This shows you how powerful of an actor he is. And it just makes you wonder how many actors are out there who are just doing the bit parts or just doing the character actor roles and have this potential inside of them if only you give them the opportunity. Right? Yeah, I think, I hate to say it, but they're probably a dime a dozen in Hollywood. Yeah, and there's And there are a lot of them, they're, they're guys who are just barely scraping by and we have no idea how wickedly talent they are because it's not just about talent, it's about sheer dumb luck sometimes too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sometimes it's just being in the right place at the right time and knowing the right casting director. And yeah. Michael McKean is just fantastic. And also, I think Patrick Fabian does not get enough love for being Howard Hamlin. He, that is a spot on characterization. You love to hate this guy. He plays it so, <laughs> like, even the way he moves his body is so oh, yeah. perfect for the character. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And just simply the way he delivers that dialogue you want to slap him in the face whenever he opens his mouth because mm-hmm. it has that I know that I'm better than you condescending yeah. tone. But he delivers it in a way that just, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, yes. Another thing about this show, and this is not a writing thing, but the way that these characters dress, you know, there is a lot to this, I think. You can tell, like, when Kim is down because her hair isn't completely you know, mm-hmm. perfectly fixed. And and the Hamlin, his suits, by far, he has, you know, the fanciest suit in the whole room. And he knows it. And and he knows it exactly. Yes, oh, he was yes, on Voyager too. I forgot that he was on Voyager too. He was on he was in the episode Favorite Son. Was he really? Yeah, he was the he was oh. the one who told Kim, like, hey, you should try this drug. There's zero side effects with all the oh. multiple women and everything. <laughs> okay. It's all natural, dude. Sorry, yeah, do, that's a Chappelle's show reference. <laughs> do you remember him? Oh, I him forgot now? that was him. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, he's yeah. another actor that has been in everything. Like he he does the TV route. Like he's the guest star on a lot of shows. I mean, like CSI Miami, Twenty Four, Will and Grace, mm. uh, Joan of Arcadia, CSI. You know, like he's the one who's constantly working, just like Michael McKean. Yeah, yeah. They have some damn good talent on this show, for sure. Whoever casted it, I'm sorry, I cannot, I blank on the name. You got a good thing going here. You know what you're doing. Yeah, and Michael Mando, I just, I didn't think that I would like Nacho as much as I am liking him. I'm very invested in this character, and I really am excited to see where he goes. Well, yeah, especially in light of what he was doing with Hector and 
kind of creating that backstory. Because we know in Breaking Bad that Hector's in a nursing home. We know right. that he's somewhat disabled. Now we're finding out how that might have happened, which is pretty interesting because Nacho is... He's spinning a lot of plates right now. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I'm very curious to see just how well he can keep this up without landing himself, uh, I don't know, in prison or in very, like, in over his head trouble or what have you, because that's what this show is all about. Now, from a writing standpoint, because we've talked a lot about the characters and we could go over all of them, but from a writing standpoint, I'd say the biggest thing to happen for Breaking Bad fans watching Better Call Saul is the introduction of Gus Fring. <laughs> this was certainly, I think, a moment we were all waiting for. Yes. Because it did seem like this has got to happen at some point, right? And then when it finally did, there was kind of this collective rejoicing. Yay, Gustavo Fring, he's here. And I don't know about you, I was not disappointed at all about his storyline, his introduction and all that. I thought that was handled beautifully. I thought his introduction was great because they teased it well and then paid it off well. And I'm just happy that when we found out that Gus was actually going to be in season three, they didn't wait until the last second of season three to introduce him. <laughs> Seriously, that would have been a little too painstaking. How much of a kick in the pants would that be? It wouldn't have been enough payoff either. No, no, not at all. So I'm glad they didn't go there at all. And I liked the kind of chaotic element that that sort of threw into this season now how do you feel about the sense that this could just be breaking bad redux because it's split up very solidly where you have jimmy's storyline and you have mike's storyline mike's storyline right. feels like a setup for breaking bad jimmy's storyline feels like better call saul that's a really interesting way of putting it because I hadn't actually thought about that split, but that's absolutely true. And even the very last part of season three kind of just shoves Mike and Gus and that whole thing off to the side and focuses on Jimmy and Kim and Chuck. And so they were sort of dealing with two different worlds there. What's going to be interesting is when they start to converge a little more because they've kind of, they've crossed paths on occasion, but they're not there yet. They need to cross paths more. Like I oh, know yeah. that they, they did for the introduction of Gus because Mike had Jimmy go into the uh, Los Poyeros Hermanos uh, to kind of stake it out and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, that could have been literally anyone. It didn't have to be Jimmy. It felt like the writers were throwing us a bone where they're like, oh, man, we have two shows going on at once. Maybe we should throw in some integration real quick. Okay, let's just have Jimmy do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It could have been anybody. But at the same time, it was good to see Jimmy there oh, to make that great. happen. Yes, yeah. I'm happy that they did it. But we need more of that yeah well okay just a future prediction going into season four i do think we are going to see a lot of change out of jimmy they have to propel him forward and the thing is is i think what's happened with chuck might be a little bit of an instigator for him to let go just a little more and 
continue this transformation from Jimmy to Saul. And as we see that happen, as he becomes that person that we already know, I think there is going to be a little more interaction with the other side of the story that deals with Gus and Mike. Because I think yeah. uh, I think Jimmy slash Saul is going to start getting himself into situations where he's going to need Mike more. Yes. And that's yeah. going to and intertwine him with with Gus and all of that. Now, what did you think about the whole thing? Uh, and I was not expecting this at all. The introduction, essentially, or maybe, I don't know, you could say reintroduction of Madrigal and Lydia. It was, uh, you know, like, you can't have Gus without Madrigal, um, mm-hmm. especially in this point in time. I hope that they don't o- overdo it with, what's her name? Lydia. Lydia. I hope they don't overdo it with Lydia. <laughs> you just want to see her open the Stevia packet and that's it? Yeah, essentially. Like I want I don't <laughs> I don't want this to be breaking bad. I want this to be better call Saul. Yeah. Well, you know what I found was kind of interesting in terms of my own reaction to it was they brought in Madrigal, which makes a lot of sense. I didn't think they were going to go there quite yet. And so when they did, I was surprised that I thought, hey, that's really cool. I'm really happy to see this in action. I'm actually happy to see Lydia because I didn't like her very much in Breaking Bad. But it was like seeing an old friend like, hey, it's you. Mm-hmm. And so I think oh, a cameo here and there is great. We yes. don't really need to know too much about her. And I fear, though, that they are going to try and develop her a little more and intertwine. If they can find a nice avenue, though, to make that happen and make it interesting, okay, prove it to me. But I am much more interested in how the characters that we already have, uh, like Mike and like Gus, get to where they get to in Breaking Bad. Because that is a big part of the story is just we know what happens. So let's find out how they get there. And they've done a great job, I think, of tying things back a little bit and giving us a little more detail as to why things were the way they were in Breaking Bad. They gave us a little taste, but there's a lot more detail now portrayed in Better Call Saul. And I think that's happening beautifully. I am cool with her making cameos and I'm cool with her setting things up and everything like that, getting Gus rolling and then Gus getting Mike rolling and everything like that. And then because of that, they need to rely on Saul a little bit more. But I don't want Lydia to have her own storylines. I don't want <laughs> I don't want a Lydia-focused episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and I don't... Not to discredit the actress who plays her, but I don't think, A, we don't need that. And B, we don't need her to carry that. We have enough going on already, and we really need things to be happening, I think, for Jimmy. The show is supposed to be about Jimmy, and a lot of the time it is. But like you were saying earlier with these resets, it's time now to take action. And you know what I'm waiting for is some sort of fallout with Kim. Oh, it's has to happen because i think that is the one sane thing he's got left in the world that's holding him back yeah and as much as i don't want to see kim go there is going to be a point where she just can't take this anymore he is going to have to do something to where she just has to make a clean break and not look back and that's the thing is that there is no kim in breaking bad right so at some point we know that she does go it's a matter of how when and why that is when I think Saul really does become Saul, is when he's got nothing left to lose. Right now, he is clinging on to dear life for Kim, and they are a unified couple right now. I mean, they are leaning on each other still. 
So yes. how are we going to ruin that? <laughs> That's, I think that might be a really good thing to focus on in season four. And then say the show goes on five seasons, then you can really get Saul Goodman going. And then we lead into Breaking Bad. And that's the thing is that like we need to see Jimmy be Saul Goodman. We don't just need to see Jimmy become Saul Goodman. He needs to be Saul Goodman for a good amount of yes. time. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if you are going to title the show Better Call Saul, we need Saul. Now, I've really enjoyed getting to know Jimmy. Mm-hmm. There has been a lot more to this guy than I ever imagined there would be. Because he's kind of just the goofy comedic relief in Breaking Bad. Who knew that this guy had such a great backstory? I've loved it. But we need Saul now. Eventually. Soon. It needs to happen. And I think you're right. I think the catalyst is going to be Kim. It has to be. I think it has to be because now with Chuck, I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, there's always the possibility that, was, that he's that was gonna not out of the picture. Question. That was going to be my <laughs> next question for you. Do you think Chuck is dead? Do you think Chuck is... <sighs> disfigure do you think chuck is out of the picture or is he still in the game what do you think my thought is is that because there is no real mention of him at all with breaking bad he is dead and that makes me so sad because i want more michael mckeon but at the same time this is a fitting good end for this character he's a victim of his own madness i love michael mckeon i would love to see more of him but i am tired of the storyline. I am tired of them repeating it over and over again. Yeah, what do you do? I mean, is he going to be disfigured with the space blankets? I mean, I don't think there's a good place to go from here except to no. kill him off. Yeah, I think he needs to be killed off because it's just this storyline of, oh, well, Chuck backstabs Jimmy. Jimmy gets pissed off, but then they come, and rec- they come back and reconcile. And then Jimmy says, you're my brother. They've done that five times in the past three seasons oh yeah no i think they reached a point of return with that incredible line of you've never really meant much of anything to me jimmy i'm paraphrasing that's not the exact line but um, what a horrible last thing for chuck to say to jimmy because jimmy for so long has just been dying for his brother's approval and not ever really gotten it and now if chuck's gonna be dead and that's the last thing his brother ever said to him this is going to affect Jimmy by leaps and bounds. How is it going to affect him? I can't wait to find out. What is he going to do? Okay, so before we close out the show, what are your predictions for season four? <laughs> well, I said earlier, I think Jimmy is going to be propelled, and I think Chuck's death is going to be a catalyst of that. I think initially Kim's going to be there for moral support, but with Chuck gone, whose approval does he really need to be who will eventually be Saul Goodman besides her, I don't think it's going to be enough to stop him. And maybe season four ends with them breaking it up. And maybe that's why we needed to get rid of the office. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, It's going to be really interesting because I do see Jimmy just getting a lot more into trouble with Mike and with Gus as things get more complicated there and Nacho as well. So I don't have anything concrete as to how that's going to happen, but I just feel like it will because that's where it's got to go. We've got to keep things moving in the story. I feel like that's the way how. How about you, though? What have you got? I predict that season four is going to be, I think Kim is either going to die or be or leave him. 
and I'm thinking he's gonna she's gonna leave him. I don't think they'd kill off Kim. And yeah, no, I don't want her to die. You know what I do think might happen though is maybe something Jimmy does potentially ruins her career because that's been threatened a couple of times before, but maybe he really actually does it. Yeah, I th- I think what's gonna happen is that is that Chuck's death is gonna push Jimmy over the edge. He's going to do something to either piss off Kim or destroy Kim inadvertently. And then she mm-hmm. leaves for whatever reason. And then at the end of season four, he's going to set up shop as Saul Goodman. And then season five is going to be Saul Goodman in all his glory. And then the last episode of, se- of, of season five is going to be Walter White walking into the office. I would so be down with that. I hope that's what the writers actually have in mind. And that's my prediction, and that's also a little bit of what I want. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't want this to be dragged on. I, I, I'm i like, give us a, a, one more setup season, one more delivery season, and then that's it. Yeah, I do feel like the time for indecision and backpedaling and trying things out, but then regressing a little bit is over. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, when this series is all said and done, I do think that we will be able to appreciate the indecision a little more maybe than right now, like what you were talking about, how you hated it. Maybe in the grand scheme of things, it'll play out a little differently overall. I don't know. We will see. But I am hoping that next season is explosive. We had a couple of big explosive moments in this season that had a lot of wind up. And it was like, finally, you can exhale and have a really nice cleansing breath. But I just want, I want punches now. I want boom, 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 boom. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And so that means the characters have to hit the ground running. I guess we're going to find out in about a year, though. (laughs) Probably. All (laughs) right. Well, that is our episode. That is uh, us talking season three of Better Call Saul. We would love to hear from you guys on what you thought of season three. Are you more in Shar's camp? Or are you more in mine? You know, just uh, and yeah. also, do you have any predictions that maybe we didn't cover about season four? So let us know. Yeah. Oh, do tell. This is a big universe. So let us know by going to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop down menu, fill out the form, it'll send us an email. We've been getting a lot of great emails lately, so thank you so much. And please feel free to send us uh, show ideas. We love getting show ideas. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at joinnerdparty. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerdparty. Shar, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at oh the profanity. And speaking of people suggesting shows, I started watching something that one of our listeners suggested. It's called The IT Crowd. It's a British comedy show. Love it. Love it. I love that show. I've watched a couple of episodes. I might be getting into it. I'm I'm kind of on the fence, but I'm going to keep going. And so maybe we'll cover that in a future Punch It! when I've watched it all. There's not a lot of episodes. And so it's really is worth your time. Like it won't be hard to go through it. But seriously, it's so it's so stupid and weird. It's great. I kind of love how stupid it is. It's yeah. very easy, light entertainment. I don't have to think. I can just sit mm-hmm. back and watch the absurdity happen. That's kind of nice and refreshing once in a while. All right. And you can find me on Twitter as well, at the Insane Robin. And next week, we have quite a treat for you because we are going to be pitching each other an Enterprise C movie or project. It might not, it could be a novel, it could be a TV show, but it's going to be a story centered around the Enterprise C. No matter what this project looks like, you know that we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution.
Join the Nerd Party.